0: Good morning again. Uh, it is good to meditate on the gospel with you this morning. We are working through the Psalms of Ascent. So if you'll turn with me to Psalm 122. We're being discipled and taught about the Christian life uh, through this collection of Psalms from Psalm 120 to 134 that uh, essentially are about people going up to Jerusalem for all kinds of reasons, Um, for the different feasts. um, I'm sure it was particularly meaningful for Israel after the exile, after being away from home for a real long time and having to go back, getting to go back home when they were forcibly removed. So, but the the metaphor we're learning and thinking about is is every follower of Jesus is on a journey, a pilgrimage uh, up to the new Jerusalem uh, towards God, uh, towards faith, towards maturity. where jesus is and so we're going to meditate on this psalm 122 together it's a song of arrival of made it to jerusalem what do we see and so let's let's read this read god's word and pray this is the word of our god i was glad when they said to me let us go to the house of the lord our feet have been standing within your gates O jerusalem jerusalem Built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And this is the word of our God. It is true, trustworthy he has spoken to us today in love. Let's pray. Father, we do pray this prayer for us, for your church, uh, that you would... Give us peace, uh, peace with you, peace with one another, um, security, uh, that we would be a people who are actively seeking the good of our neighbors. And we can only do that because Jesus first sought our good, even, even to death on a cross. And so I pray that you would write the words and the attitude and thoughts of this psalm on our hearts this morning, that we might live them out, uh, because your spirit is changing us to love what you love. And we pray this in Christ's name amen so one of the, the questions that every follower of Jesus has to answer at some point uh, if you're discipling someone they're just getting started right? they ask that question do I have to go to church <laughs> right And uh, there are all kinds of reasons not to go I'm sure you've heard many of them or have given them Right? I was a nine-year-old kid who did not want to sit still in the service. Right, uh, adults remember with great trauma how my parents made me go to church. You know, we get tired; we don't feel like going, or you know, church is full of hypocrites. Um, maybe you can you can let me know what other excuses and and reasons for not going. You know, it's boring. I, I like I just like being alone. I'd rather just be me and Jesus. Psalm 122 is pushing back against all of our excuses. As as, um, Eugene Peterson put it, it's much more interesting to hear about why people go to church than why they don't. (laughs) Uh, Because on any given Sunday morning in the world, approximately 2 billion Christians are living out Psalm 122, willingly, joyfully um, going to the Lord's house. To go be with God's family. All right? And so, Psalm 122, right? It says, I was, basically says, I was thrilled when they said, let us go to the Lord's house. And Christians all over the world and throughout space and time have been arranging their whole week to come to worship. That's what this psalm is about. And so I want to, so you can see that I'm not making this up, that this is about church, right? Um, connect the dots. The Lord's house in the Old Testament was the name for the place where God dwells. And here it's talking about Jerusalem. Uh, That's where the temple was. That's where God's throne room was. Uh, That's where God dwelled among his people. And what the New Testament does is make this shift, and they make the astonishing claim that because of Jesus, uh, Jew and Gentile, no matter what your ethnicity, uh, all of these Christians are now being joined together to be God's house. This is Ephesians 2. Uh, that, that Christians are citizens, they're saints, they're med- members of the household of God together. All right? And so in Jesus, what is God is up to is he's building the church by gathering people together uh, to be his house, to be his dwelling place. And so for us, when we think about going to Jerusalem to say, I was glad to go to the house of the Lord uh, to be with God's family, uh, that, that's going to church. That's going to worship. And so the question we have this morning is, how do we, what does this psalm have to teach us about going to worship joyfully, uh, to want to do this, to willingly, um, to, to join with all of the saints throughout space and time to worship? To worship and why do we worship so let's let's look at this and meditate on this great psalm together uh, the first point to meditate on is, is the psalmist is pointing out what God is up to what God is building so let's look at what God is building and so verses 1 and 2 highlight the arrival right you remember you started in Psalm 120 you're surrounded by neighbors who aren't don't like me uh, I'm for peace they're for war and, so the, and then you get Psalm 121, it's a dangerous journey. You, you need to lead and lean on in faith on the living God, my help. I look to the, to, the, to the hills and my help is the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord. And so now this person who's traveled is here. They've come to worship in Jerusalem. It's a joyful arrival. I don't know, I think we all have these kinds of experiences, often on vacation. Um, But I don't know what this place is for you, where you've put in a lot of time and effort and thought, and that space where you land, uh, it's it's the sounds, maybe it's the smells of the sights, just start to wipe away exhaustion as your joy at finally getting there and being there sets in, right? For some of us, it's the Adirondacks. When I was a kid, it was the Jersey Shore, um, right? even now, if I were to cross the bridge onto Long Beach Island, right, I can just feel relaxed because I went there 25 times, right. And if, if you're a, a Hebrew, that's the kind of experience they would come it, have walking into Jerusalem at least three times a year, if you're not from the city, right. I'm so gl- I am glad I am here. I'm glad we made this decision to come. I'm glad we took the risks, the effort, the work to land here right and so what he does once he gets here our feet have been standing in your gates jerusalem this is something to celebrate they start looking around and says here are all the reasons why i'm glad to be here why i'm glad to be a church all right?" and so verse three through five give all these reasons and verse three says jerusalem is being built up as a city that is firmly bound together. And so what is God building, right? That's a passive tense. Jerusalem is built. Um, In Israel's day, he built his dwelling place in a particular geographical spot in the ancient world in the Middle East, and it was designed to be, it was a city, and cities were a place you would run to for refuge, safety right walls keep you safe from from marauding armies right they're just bullies out there it's a dangerous world right but it it's hard to get your our minds wrapped around exactly what it means for us and this is where the psalms help right there's cross references in your bible so turn over turn the page over to psalm 147 we get another description of what what god is doing when he builds Jerusalem, as he's building up his, this place. Right, Psalm 147, verse 2, says, The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of the Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the numbers of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. And in verse 6, the Lord lifts up the humble and he casts the wicked to the ground. That's right. So the Lord is building up Jerusalem, populating this place with who? The brokenhearted, uh, the outcasts, those who don't feel at home in this world, uh, those whose lives have been turned upside down, uh, those who are suffering, uh, those who are weak. Right? He's binding up their wounds. And you can, you get another picture in Psalm 102, All right. Psalm 102, <clears throat> I should have wrote down the verse, <laughs> uh, let's see, verse 16, it says, the Lord builds up Zion, and then in verse 17, he regards, he hears the prayer of the destitute, and he does not despise their prayer. Uh. The Lord looks down from his holy height to hear the groans of the prisoners, verse 20, to set free those who were doomed to die so that they may say thank you, that they may declare in Zion, in Jerusalem, his praise. Right. And so Jerusalem, this city, this place, what, what's it being built up to be, to do? It's, it's a, a city, a community full of wounded, broken people. Those who have been wrecked by suffering in this world. Everyone who's ever said, this is not how my life ought to be. He's collecting those haunted by death. He's giving a home for prisoners set free uh, who have been in bondage to death. I mean, in particular, there's always that remembrance of being in slavery in Egypt, uh, doomed to die as slaves. But that story kept retelling itself over and over again. See, Jerusalem was a city of refuge for all those who know they need help. All those who need help for his people. And so when you come to church, part of the joy, part of the excitement, one, is finding yourself welcomed when life is not going well. Right? That's the ideal, for sure. Uh, to, to see and experience the Lord healing the brokenhearted, giving a welcome to those who are outcasts, uh, where you know that where the Lord is and where the Lord's people are, you'll receive grace, help, healing for your wounds. Right. God's house being built up, bound together, is safe because the Lord is there calling you. Which goes to work against our excuses, doesn't it? Yeah. We're not. There are all kinds of other reasons and painful reasons why people don't come to church. We can talk about those. But if this is the kind of city God is building, um, that's the cure for hypocrisy, isn't it? See, to come to church is to come to God's house and to find that you are not the only one who's not well, uh, who's, who's wounded, who's hurting who's lost their temper in the last week, who've, who've sinned as we regularly confess that, hey, I need a savior every week. Right? If you know you are not well and you know you have a place of welcome and you can relax and be and have someone look at you and say, I'm glad you're here as the Lord does. Right? We go, I'm so glad I decided to come here. Right? You remember... The Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4, uh, when Jesus does this unthinkable thing, they're in the, in the desert, and he asks a Samaritan woman for a drink. And of course, in those days, men didn't talk to women, uh, much, in, much less a Jew to a Samaritan like that, because Samaritans to the Jews were filthy, they were unclean, they were outcasts, they were disgusting, uh, for all kinds of ethnic and, and religious reasons. Right? There's, there's real prejudice. And Jesus asks her for water, and then he says to her, I could give you living water, and you would never thirst again, which grabs her attention, of course. I mean, who wouldn't? Right? Okay, sir, please give me some of that water so I don't have to come back to this well. It's hot. Right? And Jesus says, okay, go call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus' response is, you're right, you have no husband. You've had five and the one you're living with right now, is not your husband. Right? She's been broken-hearted. She's an outcast. You know, the social time to come to the wells in the morning, not in the midday when when it's the most hot and the most miserable. Her own community doesn't like her, right? And yet here is Jesus saying, "Come," offering an invitation. And after this one conversation about him being the Messiah and, and changing the way worship is going to work, what does she, she do? She runs home, tells her neighbors, come and see a man who told me all I ever did. He knows my shame. Can this be the Christ? She felt welcomed as an outcast. See, to come to church, right? this is the ideal, this is what God is building, is to come to a place knowing that God knows everything you've ever done, those things you're deeply ashamed of and would never tell another living soul. And He says, I've come to offer you living water. Come have a cool drink. Come sit with me at my table. Let's talk. Right. And not only that, it becomes a community event, right? Because, that's what it says in Psalm 122, it's a city that's firmly bound together, and this is a metaphor. Right, when you come to church, you find yourselves bound to other Christians. There are other people in the room. <laughs> right? It's not just me and Jesus. See, the idea is a city firmly bound together, stones placed together. Uh, right? that having outcasts, deep wounded souls all in the room. It's an architectural image because when you're building a city for it to be effective, uh, stones have to literally be placed side by side, glued together. I was glad when I said, when they said let's go to the Lord's house because now I'm stuck with these people <laughs> by God's grace. And this is where the metaphor changes from, from being a city to a family because as you read it, right? Jerusalem's built up as, as a city. You're bound firmly together. It's this place that's safe. It's also a family, verse 4, because the tribes are going up, the tribes of the Lord. Right? And so it's not just one person, right? it's not just David, the writer of the psalm, uh, who's saying, I'm so glad we went. It's, I'm so glad all of God's family is here. This is a family reunion. Right? It's a family that has been gathered up, called, commanded to come, bring their troubles, bring their broken hearts, bring their sin, bring their shame to the Lord's house and find refuge. Because this is God's family that's here. Right? It's Israel, the tribes of the Lord. They belong to him. Right? And so the Old Testament church literally was a family. Right, These are all descendants of Abraham. Um, there were nations that lived among them and, and, and worshipped with them, but in general, the majority of the Old Testament church was the Jewish family, descended from Jacob and his 12 sons. Right, And so... God is building up his family. Right? It's interesting, the, the word for built in Hebrew can either refer to building a house or it can refer to building a family. Right? So it makes sense why he's shifting gears from city to family, family to city. Right? See, Psalm 122 is calling us to church, and to be gripped by that vision that when you come, it's designed by God to be a family reunion where you are brothers and sisters seeing each other, right? Which is an astounding thing to say, right? Because this is is an ideal portrait because if you have all the tribes of the Lord, right? If you have, you know your family, if you have every member of the family actually doing the same thing because their parents told them, right? That's an act of God (laughs) all at the same time. And if you know the story of Israel, you know that's far from reality of how, how their life together went as family. Um, there's big, plenty of bickering, there's plenty of cruelty, there was betrayal, there's distrust, there's division, the family fractures. Uh, you, could, you could go to Judges 20 when all of Israel goes to war against one tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. I won't read it because I preached on it once and that was disturbing enough. <laughs> Because right, there was a horrific assault that Benjamin allowed and permitted, which is showing how immoral they were, and the tribes rose up. Right? You could go to first kings twelve when when the the tribes divide, right Solomon's son takes over, and Rehoboam takes the throne, and instead of being merciful, he acts just like Pharaoh and and makes life difficult for the people and so 10 out of the 12 tribes said, peace, we're out. We don't want to serve you. And the unity gets broken. And so, when you read Psalm 122, and all the tribes of the Lord are here, going to Jerusalem, um, gathered around God's work of redemption, saying thank you, going to worship, Uh, this is an ideal this is the goal, this is the dream, this is the vision in Old Testament terms. Right? That, that God's united family are all here saying thank you. Right? They're for each other, they're enjoying God, and they're firmly bound together. Now, why does that matter? Why do we need this portrait? Um, well, read the news. <laughs> Right To say that we are polarized in our communities and cultures is, is it's an understatement. It's the, it's the true story of humanity everywhere. Wherever you find people, they, they do not get along east of Eden. Right? And so God's plan as the family of God gathering together in his house, uh, building up a family where these different tribes worship and say thank you, all gathered around the same God who loved them first right? That's God's plan for the world, for every family. If you've been following the story from from Genesis to Psalms, God says to Abraham, I'm going to use your family to be a blessing to every family in all the earth. And we find that getting worked out uh, in the New Testament that um, all those who believe become children of Abraham, no matter your ethnicity, whatever family you're from, right? And so the idea is in the New Testament as this is pushing, pushing us forward, as Jesus builds up his church, it's going to be a multi-ethnic family. It's not just a tribe. All the tribes of the Lord are going to include Jew and Gentile. Right? Every tribe, tongue, and nation. All kinds of different people. Right? So if you meditate on this, if the church is to be a family of the tribes of the Lord, decreed, commanded to come and worship, when you come to church, not only should we welcome the brokenhearted, because God has welcomed them, but we should also look around and expect people to be different. right? Expect people to be here who process the world differently than we do, who vote differently than we do be able to walk into the room and say the only reason i am firmly bound together with these people is because jesus right. they're my family now right? we sang it this morning see how how good it is when we live up to jesus's commands and prefer one another <laughs> right. see the builder of the family jesus is binding different people together to gather around and say thank you. And so the point is, if you feel like you're an outsider in a local church, the way you, this, this is calling us to stay. Right? The New Testament is saying, if you're different, stay. Because you're allowing us the privilege of living out Jesus' commands, which is to serve one another because of our shared experience in the gospel, our shared experience with Jesus who has broken down that dividing wall of hostility. Right. Right. You let us live out the vision, the beauty of Psalm 122. We're all of God's families together. Right. Of course, because sin's going to make some of us feel like outcasts, that means we have work to do. <laughs> right. And so I guess the, the question would be, is do you have that kind of vision for just regular, every week, Worship where we gather and say I want to be there because my presence makes a difference Because God has bound me to these people And when different people come in right fantastic God is at work he's building his house And I I would argue that in our current cultural moment to join a church and stay in a church Full of people who process the world differently than us uh, than you it's one of the most countercultural things you can do. I mean, all the podcasts I hear, it's, it's all about the great reshuffle, right? You voted for Trump or didn't vote for Trump. Peace, I'm out. I'm gonna go find my people where I feel safe, right? Now, the, the purpose of worship every time you gather is to be a taste of the future, of what God is going to do when he is done, right? And what is... As Christians, as the scriptures tell us, we know where all of creation is heading, right? God's plan is to unite everything and everyone in Jesus Christ. He's going to rule and reign over everything and everyone, and so the church is to be that place where you experience that, to be a visible, tangible, enjoyable expression of the future reality of God's finished house, a city of broken-hearted citizens, having their wounds bound up by Jesus. You're welcome to his family. All right. Here's a great quote from a PCA moderator, Erwin Ince, Pastor Irwin wrote this great book called Beautiful Community. And so there's some academic bits, but bear with me, I'll explain it. But he's, he's quoting this person who says, the, the good news for the church is good news for the unity of the human race. Because the church is a proleptic sign of that escalado, eschatological reality. There's a sentence for you. You go, what does that mean? Good question, you're normal. Uh, we are to be a sign of the unity of the human race that will one day be perfectly achieved. Right? We're to be a, a sign of the cosmic unity of all things being gathered together in Jesus. And the church is to be the visible communion of human beings that anticipate that reality of all things being united in Christ. We're we're a living sign that that God is building his house. A community where that unity is already being experienced a little bit in some degree. Because our hope and the reality of what God said he will do is God is going to knit together back the human race that sin has torn us under. All right? Why are you glad to go to church? You get to see God at work, joining humans together in this multi-ethnic family, a family who loves you, who gives you grace because they've received grace. So normal life together is seeing people in the church get along who would never get along outside the church. That's a sign that God's spirit's at work. And that's the best part about the church, right? you don't get to choose your family. That's God the Father's job, right? And so, Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, says this really clearly, Christian brotherhood is not an ideal that we have to realize. Instead, it's a reality that God has created in his son Jesus that we get to participate in. You hear the difference? right? The world says, uh, just, let's just love one another. And the church says, no, God loved us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, and says, that person and that person are now family, and now we get to participate together in what God has done. And just by virtue of Jesus and his shed blood, we're family. So let's learn to bear with one another, love one another, forgiving one another, as Christ forgave us, all right? That's that's part of what the psalmist is seeing. The tribes of the Lord are going up. They're all participating. Why? Well, here's the non-flashy bit. God told them to. It's commanded. Uh, Verse verse 4, it says, It was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. to Go give thanks. We're quick to forget the grace we've received, which makes it hard to live together, and so God... Set these appointed times for God's people to go up to Jerusalem to see, live out, experience, taste the grace of God promised in the Old Testament, All right? So at least three times a year, there were these festivals where they were told, right, go up for Passover, go see the spotless lamb, see, see the blood shed for you that was shed to deliver you from sin and death to make you God's people, All right? Go to Jerusalem, receive that gift. Uh, they'd have to go up for the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost. All right, go remember God's abundant generosity, and bring the first fruits of your harvest. Right. coincidentally, right? That's that's when the church started. <laughs> the Feast of Pentecost, the first fruits of God's harvest, when God started building His church. Something to meditate on in a long walk. But they would also go up for the Feast of Booze, right? The Feast of Tent tent Camping. Uh, Remember when God was faithful and provided every day for God's people in the wilderness. Remember that he kept you safe and he brought you to this place. And so they would camp in tents for a week, remembering God being with them in a tent. And so all these, these are three particulars that were decreed. Go, remember, Meditate on the grace you've received. Go give thanks to the name of the Lord. Right? Just go. Right? And so, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? When it comes to church, what does God say? It's, it's commanded. Worship is commanded. Go give thanks to the name of the Lord. It's a joyful thing, it's a voluntary thing, and it's a commanded thing. There's a cycle. All right? And so, do you know how to go to church when you don't feel like it? Um, to go because it's decreed. To, to let worship inform your feelings instead of feelings dominating your worship. That's hard. right? To go when you're brokenhearted. When you can barely hold it together. Because you know you need to hear God say I love you and I'm with you in this moment and experience his embrace through God's family. You're willing to go when you're ashamed. Because you've blown it big time. Maybe on the way to church. Because you lost your temper on the north way. Calling down the fires of heaven on those people who don't drive as good as you. (laughs) The idea is We're going to give thanks to God. And by giving thanks to God regularly, going up, living out his commands, that forms you into a person who is participating in God's work. Hell begins with grumbling, but heaven starts with gratitude. One last thing we do at church here. The tribes will go up. It says in verse 5, the thrones are set there for judgment. The thrones of the house of David... It's another weird thing that Christians do, that God's people have been doing for ages. Let's go and listen to God's judgment. Let's go and let God tell us what to do. Expect God to tell me what to do. Right? Uh, Eugene Peterson, the pastor, says, you know what a ju- the word judgment means? It's God's decisive word that he uses to straighten things out and put things right. It's the way God is ordering a broken world. Right? And you go to the thrones of the seat of David where God's king is, that God is ruling through a particular person. Right? The family of David through whom the Messiah is promised. And So it's go let God's king command you. Go let him straighten out what's wrong in your, in your life. Right, for the church to be like Jerusalem, it's to be a place of justice where we say, I, I want to go and let God correct me because I, I know I need corrected, rebuked, trained to, to be righteous. It's not a weird dynamic right, to say, I was glad to go to the Lord's house to hear him tell me I've been wrong. Or it's also for ju- justice, for judgment, to go and hear him tell me I've been wronged and I'm not crazy to be hurt. Right. He's for the oppressed. If the, that, that's hail to the Lord's anointed. He comes to set the captives free. All, right. All that through the king. Doesn't that sound like a community you want to be a part of? I mean, this is, this is the vision of Psalm 122, uh, that, that God is building a city, a family, uh, who are united because God has set them free. He's given them grace. He's worked in their lives. He's welcomed the brokenhearted. Something to pray for. And that's, that's what the rest of the psalm does. In verses 6 through 8, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May it be a safe place for all those who love you. Peace be within your walls, security within your towers. For my brothers and my companions' sake, right now I'm no longer thinking about me, This is what worship does. It gets my eyes off myself. I'm going to say, peace be within you. And So verses 3 through 5 is just looking at what God is building. Verses 6 through 9 are saying, let's get involved. Let's pray for this. Let's pray for peace. Pray for the peace of others. Pray for the peace of God's family. I mean, literally, if you're in the ancient world, yeah, you don't want armies to come and, and destroy you. But that word peace, shalom, is more than just an absence of conflict. It's being made whole. It's having your broken heart mended by the love of God. It's, to have peace would be like, I'm no longer a prisoner for sure, but I'm no longer afraid of death. It's, it's the oppressed learning the joy of being free. Right? Ask for security within the towers. <laughs> and security is this Hebrew word that has to, this intersection of security and prosperity. Um, you know what it is? You can, you can go and be at peace and just not be anxious. Because uh, you know God is building and protecting this place. Because you know Psalm 121 uh, that he who watches over you will neither sleep nor slumber. And he watches your coming and going from this time forth and forevermore. Right? It's the goal that we would be able to live peaceful, quiet, godly lives as we pray and ask God for peace in the church, in the community. And so the journey that worship is designed to take you, you come in I'm glad, I'm welcomed, even my brokenness is welcome here. That's what the gospel does, right? You're made family, you're adopted, you're declared holy and blameless through faith in Christ Jesus because he shed his blood for you. And now we get to have our prayers transformed. Here's what you pray for. Pray for peace. Pray for the church to get along. Uh, Pray for, against conflict, (laughs) Pray for all those who love the church. That's what it says in verse 6. Pray for those who love Jerusalem, who are gripped by this same vision. Pray for your fellow Christians, verse 8, for my brothers and sisters, my companions. Uh, say, may you experience this peace. And it's, it's looking around at the family of God and say, I want to see you thrive because God is at work in your life. In other words, Pray that we would learn to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. Romans 15. And if you do that, there was this weird, inters- not weird, strange to us, but in the Old Testament, there was this intersection of religion and just everyday life. right? So if Jerusalem is at peace, your Mondays through Saturdays would be fantastic. right? And so the idea is that the peace that you would get on those special worship moments is designed to f- to flow out from Jerusalem into the world. And so, as you come to worship and experience the peace of God and peace with one another, it's meant to transform our relationships as we pray for peace for one another. All right, let's, let's wind this down. How do, how do we do this? All right, as you seek the peace of God's family, Verse 9 says, For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. This means now I'm going to participate. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I'm going to seek the good of his house, his family. For the sake of God's mission and the sake of God, the Lord, I'm going to seek your good. See, this is the bare minimum responses to all of God's goodness to you. The bare minimum response is to actively look for ways to do, God, uh, to do good to God's house, which would be to his family. Okay. Paul says the same thing. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So as we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone, especially the household of faith. Right, you hear that? Do good to everyone, especially your family. What does that look like? That's really abstract. Well, here David, who wrote Psalm 122, and we're supposed to think of, right? There's that little note, it's a psalm of a sense of David. Uh, in 2 Samuel 9, you know what he did? He actively looked around. How can I show someone goodness and kindness? In 2 Samuel 9, after he became king. After his enemy, Saul, had been killed, um, he looked around and said, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show kindness for the sake of Jonathan, who was his best friend? Right? It's an astounding thing, right? This is a portrait of the king of the tribe of Judah, saying, who can, how can I show kindness to the tribe of Benjamin, my enemies? Right? This is how ancient world, this is... King of, game of thrones in the ancient world, you don't show kindness to your enemies because if you let any surviving family member uh, live, they could rise up and start a military coup, start a rebellion. So the normal practice was just to slaughter your enemies. Don't let anyone rise up. And here is David saying, who can I show mercy to? Right? And there was one survivor, Mephibosheth, who was crippled in his feet And so the servants bring him to the king, and the poor guy must be terrified, right? He was dropped as a kid and injured, and whatever that did, he wasn't able to, to walk. Something was wrong with his feet. And David said to him, don't be afraid, because I'm going to show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I'm going to give you your land, and you may eat at my table always. And that's what it says. Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. He adopted an enemy to be a part of his family. What about us? How do we get the resources to do good even to our enemies in the church? Well, there's a reason it's talking about David. To do good to the house of God begins with the line of the Messiah. And so what happens is centuries later, a son of David of the tribe of Judah comes to Jerusalem Jesus, seeking the good of God's house, he's there for his father's sake and for the sake of his brothers and his companions, for the church, to bless all the tribes of Israel as well as the world. And what does he do? He prays for peace, for Jerusalem. He prays for peace for the city that wants to kill him. Right, at one point in Luke, he cries out, Oh Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, how I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. Would that you, even you, you can hear the emotion in his voice, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. And then the rest of the story is he goes to the cross in Jerusalem to build God's house not by being firmly bound together, but, be, but by being the rejected cornerstone of the city of God. Seeking the good of his enemies, shedding his blood so that we might become family and receive the forgiveness of sins. And of course the result is we get treated like Mephibosheth. <laughs> by grace, we get to always eat at God's table as family and this is the New Testament does the same thing, right? We're joined firmly together as living stones to Christ, the rejected cornerstone, part of the city, God's building, but we're also members of the household of God, family. Right? And that's what keeps us going. <laughs> See, when you, when you come to worship, this is where you get the joy of your salvation restored. And say, what is God up to? He's also at work in my life. And as you experience that grace, Say, I want to be involved in the work that God is up to in the world because he's been so kind to me. So I want to look around in this building, in this family, and say, who can I show kindness to? Who can I do good to? Right? That's what church is for. <laughs> right? This is the ideal. This is what we pray for. Right? This is why the writer of the Hebrews says, let's, let's not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. Instead, let us stir one another to love and to be about good works. And let's do that with someone of a different tribe, and we'll get to see the power of gospel, of Jesus' gospel at work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great psalm that, that brings us and ties us into what you're doing in our hearts and what you're doing in our community and what you're doing in the world. And so I pray as we experience the grace of our Lord Uh, you would give us a vision to be a part of your church to get skin in the game uh, to look around how can i do good how can i participate how can i love one another as you have loved us and for that we need your spirit because we cannot do this without knowing within the depths of our being that we are your children Uh, we need your spirit to cry out to our spirit that we belong to you Uh, that we that there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus and that you claim us as your own and so we ask, Lord, fill us with your spirit that we might uh, be known here in Boston Spa and around the world as your house, that Jesus is with us. And we pray in Christ's name. We Amen.